7 of chapter 4. And uh, I hope to make it all the way over to verse 21 of chapter 5. But uh, in our first segment, we'll just read down through verse 9 of chapter 5. So verse 27 of chapter 4 over to chapter 5, verse 9. This is God's word for us this morning. And here's what God says. The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all of the elders of the people of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction. And they bowed their heads and worshipped. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. Moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please, let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, uh, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past, Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore, they cry, let us go offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor as it and pay no regard to lying words. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word. There's no word like your word. Now help us now as we look at your word. Teach us. Show us wonderful things about you. Change us. Strengthen us. Work in our hearts through your word, by your spirit, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Moses has started back to Egypt. He's met up with Aaron at the mountain of God, in other words, Mount Sinai, the very mountain in which 
Moses had met the Lord there through the burning bush. What I particularly want you to make note of just right now is just when Moses met up with Aaron, it says there that he told Aaron all the words with which he was sent to speak and showed him all the signs that he was commanded to do. And then Moses and Aaron then head on back to Egypt and then they they gather together with the the elders of Israel, but eventually the people of Israel as well. And then note, note what Aaron says. Uh, Moses spoke in verse 30. Moses, uh, 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 Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had, had given Moses to speak and did all the signs in the sight of the people. In other words, uh, now that they're back in Egypt, the first thing is that the elders and the people are now fully informed. All the conversations back in chapter 3, earlier in chapter 4, that, that God had with Moses, all the plans that he divulged to Moses. Now Aaron, now the elders, now the people of Israel know. And what follows then in our reading this morning is the responses to Moses and Aaron. First, the response of the people of Israel, verse Uh, 31 of chapter 4. But then in a minute, we'll look at the response of Pharaoh. That's found in the first nine verses and beyond, really, but the first nine verses of of chapter 5. Notice how Israel responds. Israel responds initially, immediately with trust and worship. Verse 31, and the people believed. When they, when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. The Israelites respond with trust and worship. But Pharaoh will respond quite differently. He will respond with defiance and even disdain. He replies in verse 2, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I know not the Lord. Moreover, I will not let the Israelites go. Two things I want us to think about in these verses. Two different kinds of responses. First of all, Pharaoh's difficulty in discerning who is the Lord. Secondly, I want us to note something of the Israelites' difficulty in depending upon the Lord. So first, Pharaoh's difficulty in discerning who is the Lord. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? I would suggest to you that that Pharaoh's difficulty at this moment is not a lack of information. Pharaoh's difficulty in comprehending who the Lord is is one of defiance. If you think I'm going to do what he says, if you think I'm beholding to some local second-rate deity, then you've got another thing coming to you. Pharaoh can't quite get his mind around the legitimacy of Moses' and Aaron's request. 
it's not even the complete request. It, it, it almost seems like what, what Moses and Aaron are leading off with is, is not the full request. We, we want to leave Egypt altogether, but, but it's almost like a sampling, a test. Let's see how Pharaoh responds to this little bitty request. He, he says, we want three days, three days to get, to get off work. Kind of, kind of a religious exemption of sorts, I guess. But he went three days to get off work to, to hold a feast to the Lord, to sacrifice to the Lord our God. And, and Pharaoh will have none of that silliness. Pharaoh is incredulous. Moses and look at this in verse 4. Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. Pharaoh is truly a statist. The people, in his mind, belong to him. They, produce, they exist to produce for him. Their value is determined by the productivity to the cause of the state. I mean, long, long before uh, there were terms like fascist or socialist uh, the underlying ideas of such systems were already percolating around in the hearts and minds of men who want to rule over and control others. Pharaoh and all of his modern counterparts are wrong. We do not belong to the state, we belong to the Lord. Our children do not belong to the state. They are entrusted to us. We are stewards from the Lord of the children that the Lord entrusts to us. You see, human government, on the one hand, is ordained by God, but but human government never seems to be content with the assignment that God gave to them. They are... They what they want, and Psalms 2 reminds us of this. Psalm 2 reminds us of that. They want to overthrow God and replace God and be a replacement for God. Yes, we are to be people who, the default setting of our hearts is that we would live respectfully and in submission to government. But government does not possess an unqualified absolute authority over God's people. Perhaps it's once again time to reacquaint uh, ourselves with the, the political confession that got the early church in trouble with the Roman government. A simple political soundbite. Jesus is Lord. That will land us, as it does in all times, all places, that will land us in trouble with political regimes who think they own us. That we exist to carry out their will. We do not. We exist to follow the Lord. That does not make us anarchists. At least it better not. It ought to make us truly good and virtuous citizens. 
but citizens who will not give control of our souls to the state. This is called Reformation Sunday. This is the day that Martin Luther, some over 500 years ago, uh, tacked um, the 95 theses on the Wittenberg church door. The start, if you would, uh, or at least the clear... um, uh, coming out of the Protestant Reformation. In April of 1521, at the, the Diet of Worms, uh, Luther was called to give an account to the magistrates and to the religious leaders of his time and, who tried to coerce him. Uh, and here's what he says, his famous statement. My conscience is held captive by the word of God, and to act contrary to conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand, so help me God. Well, Pharaoh will commission taskmasters and foremen, and the foremen probably are Israelites, uh, with instructions. They say they want to go? Fine. Then they can go find their own straw. Pharaoh concludes there in verse 9. Did you catch that last statement that he says? Let heavier your work be laid upon them that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Whose words did he say were lying? You see, Pharaoh, Pharaoh has gone from defiance to disdain. Don't listen to that God of the Hebrews. He's nothing but a liar. You're mine. I own you. Who is this God anyway? Pharaoh refuses to listen. Pharaoh's heart is hard and Pharaoh's heart is hardened. And yet, just quickly, the the next... um, Ten chapters, nine chapters, Pharaoh is about to get schooled on who the Lord is. Who is the Lord that I should listen to him? (laughs) There will be a scope and sequence of the Lord's lesson plans that will produce certain learning outcomes for Pharaoh. The Lord's learning objectives will be clearly stated in chapter 7 that the Egyptians may know, in chapter 7 that they shall know, in chapter 8 that they may know that there is no one like the Lord our God, that they may know that I am the Lord, that they may know that there is none like the Lord, that my name, the Lord, might be proclaimed in all of the earth, that they know that the earth is the Lord. The Lord is going to spend the next nine chapters educating Pharaoh on who he is. If you're listening, that's what the Lord is doing even today. Because the Lord's final learning outcome, we are told in Philippians chapter 2, is that one day every 
knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. But I'll say this, not just to pick on on, uh, governments and political issues, I, I, I will say this, any who are here this morning who have not turned to Jesus, who have not acknowledged him as their Lord, then you are in your own form of even a deeper, more spiritual bondage. Quite honestly, you belong to the devil. At least that's what our Lord says in John chapter 8, verse 44. He says to those who do not believe in him, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. But that's why Jesus has come. Hebrews chapter 2 reminds us that it is through his death that he might destroy the devil, the one who has the power over death, and to deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Life and joy and peace and freedom are only found in turning to Christ. Turn to Christ You do not belong to the state. Turn to Christ. You do not belong to the devil. Turn to Christ. You do not even belong to yourself. Turn to Christ. You are His. You belong to Him. Pharaoh is going to difficultly learn who the Lord God is. But there's a second series of responses that I want to look at. The Israelites' difficulties in depending upon the Lord. We saw from verse 31 of chapter 4 that, man, it begins wonderful and sweet. They, they, they heard uh, that, the, that the Lord had, had visited them. They, they heard that the Lord had seen their affliction. And there was much excitement. There was much optimism. And they began their relationship with the Lord by trusting Him and by worshiping Him. But things are going to go from bad to worse. Things are not going to immediately get better. Things are going to immediately, in fact, get harder, more difficult. Let's pick up in verse 10 of chapter 5 and read down through verse 21. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves, wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task, each day as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks! And behold, your servants are beaten, and the fault is in your own people. But he said, you are idle. 
You are idle. That is why that you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and you have put a sword in their hand to kill us. They believed. They worshipped. They began their relationship with the Lord. And for most of us, there is nothing sweeter than beginning a relationship with Jesus. You hear hear something of his deep love and care for you. You you hear what he's done at the cross for you, and and, and your heart is thrilled by that. And and you you think, we've turned a corner. It's it's all easy sailing from here. It's all downhill. It's it's all smooth. It's, It's lovely. And then life has a way of continuing to happen. And we, like the Israelites there, we fail to take in and to comprehend it all. We begin excited and optimistic. Praise God that we get to begin excited and optimistic. We get excited as we hear the promises as they are issued over us. But the Israelites... And oftentimes us, we, have, we do not have realistic expectations concerning the remaining problems and difficulties of living in a fallen world with all of its sorrows and all of its troubles and all of its angst. And they take it out on Moses and Aaron. They let them have it. Do you see what they said? The Lord look on you. This is what the people said to Moses and Aaron. The Lord look on you and judge you. Moses and Aaron were getting the blame for all of the troubles and difficulties. Uh, I mean, the, the Israelites were out of touch with reality. But, but you know what? When you and I go through troubles, when we go through heartache, when we go through sorrows, when we go through loss, when we experience the trials and testings of life, uh, it, it is so easy to lose t- out of touch with reality and, and to fail to see the face of God in the midst of our troubles. The very ones, Moses and Aaron, who were God's instruments to rescue them were now the ones who were the brunt of the attack of the Hebrew people. They were invoking a a curse on Moses and Aaron. They, They were calling down divine judgment on Moses and Aaron. They were, they were inaccurately attributing their troubles to Moses and Aaron. You've made us stink in Pharaoh's sight. I don't know if you've ever read the backstory, but ever since Joseph and the Hebrew people arrived in Egypt, they were made to live in the land of Goshen. You know why? Because the Hebrew people have always stunk to the Egyptian people. 
Pharaoh has never cared a lick for the Israelites other than their productivity quotient. But now they suggest that, that, that boy, now they're, now they're at odds with their good buddy Pharaoh. Huh? From the announcement of our redemption, from the start of our journey of being redeemed in Jesus Christ, to the final destination of our redemption, new bodies Join with our souls in a new heavens and new earth. That's our destiny. But in the meantime, there is difficulty. There is much difficulty. And you and I must have this as a category. In 1 Peter chapter 4, we are told, Beloved, do not be surprised. At the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. The troubles that you faced this past week, the troubles that are are waiting for you when you get there this week, don't be surprised at the troubles as though, wow, this is strange. This is the season of difficulty in our redemption. Do not be surprised. James chapter 1 even bumps up our response. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. I get it. Our, our first response when the bottom drops out, when, when things get hard, when it gets difficult, is we want to lash out at the Lord or the Lord's servants or whoever. We just want to say, what are you up to? Where are you at? Why is this happening? And we've all done that. And yet what it does is is remind us that we all, we all lose touch of reality. We all lose misfocus of the sight of, of what the Lord teaches us. And that is, in this season of our redemption, from the moment that our spiritual journey begins to the moment that we, that we see Jesus face to face, it should not surprise us. In fact, divine resources will be given that we could figure out how to count it all joy. For the various trials, for the, for the difficulties, for the moments of difficulty, for the seasons of difficulty. This, this is not a sign that God has left us or abandoned us or is inattentive toward us. It's just how things work out in this stage of our journey of redemption. But we ought to be thankful that the Lord doesn't say, so I'll be over here waiting for you when you finally get home. 
No, we have so much truth and promise given to us in Scripture. I think of Romans 8, for one, which is very much about the, the mundane, normal routines of the Christian journey. And it, and, it, and it honestly reveals to us the reality of difficulty. And how it is hard to trust in the Lord in these moments of difficulty. And yet, and yet in the seasons of difficulty, the Lord gives sure promises and speaks those sure promises over us to awaken faith in us, to, to stir by the very working of the Spirit a response to the Lord, to trust Him, to trust Him through the difficulty, that, that though this world is groaning, that we will look up and we will see the faithful hand of our God. In fact, Romans 8 ends like this. But who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? Which one of those will separate us from the love of Christ? Paul answers... No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yes, it is difficult in depending upon the Lord amid our difficulties. But there's one thing that we can count on for sure. Even though it's difficult to depend upon the Lord, the Lord is always So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've done for us in and through your Son. Thank you for the love of your Son. Thank you for the love of the Spirit. And so we praise you, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We praise you that you are with us this morning. We praise you that no matter where we go uh, this day, this week, that you are with us. We thank you that no matter what comes at us, no matter what difficulties or troubles or trials come at us, that you are with us. Your spirit is present in our hearts and that you have purposed to cause all things to work together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And so we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for how Jesus now resets our lives and even how we face the difficulties of our lives. We thank you that now through Jesus you are not against us, you are for us. We thank you that through faith in Jesus we are those who turn to you amid our difficulties. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this last.